This is Miss Val, the author of Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance, and I am on After the Glory with Gary Stern and Lucy Sang. Hey, this is James Oney on After the Glory with Gary Stern and Lucy Sang. Hi, this is Derek Cox, and it's been a pleasure being here on After the Glory with Gary Stern and Lucy Sang. What do Hall of Fame gymnastics coach Valerie Condos feel? Football's Derek Cox and baseball's James Loney have in common? They all appeared on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern, and along with Lucy Seng, we thank Miss Val, Derek, and James for helping us kick off another season of conversations with elite athletes who prove once again that the traits of personality and character that made them elite athletes are the same ones that allow them to establish lives of meaning and purpose once their playing days are over. Lucy and I created this podcast because we are admirers of elite athletes and the challenges they face in making that often difficult transition at a young age to new challenges. After all, imagine the commitment, often since childhood, it takes to become the best in a sport, but then the realization that your time at the top of the mountain is so fleeting. So much of your life is ahead of you. What Lucy and I have found is that these elite athletes are elite people with stories we know you will find inspiring. We hope you enjoy this edition of After the Glory. And we're here on After the Glory with Lucy Sang, my partner and co-host and co-creator. This is Gary Stern, and we are so uh, excited to begin Season 5 of After the Glory. And this season, although we've had a number of uh, guests from UCLA, we're going to focus our next 10 episodes on the elite athlete who attended UCLA and without any exception, uh, developed lives of meaning and purpose that uh, we all suspect had a lot to do with the experience at UCLA. Uh, as we begin season five, I want to especially acknowledge um, our principal commercial sponsor for the upcoming season. Uh, Sarah Leonard Fine Jewelers is back with us for season five. We are so thrilled to have them. Uh, they, they themselves are celebrating their 75th anniversary in business in Westwood, and uh, we're just uh, thrilled to have them back for season five. Our first guest uh, this season uh, is somebody that, well, he was a hero of mine as a college student since we are both from the classes of the mid-1970s. And nobody will ever forget his incredible uh, game at uh, uh, for UCLA against Ohio State in the 1976 uh, uh, Rose Bowl. Um, John Shara, who uh, is one of those athletes who embodies everything we talk about on this show. Somebody who, even while he was playing football, was developing his life uh, and, and the future, uh, uh, even while... People were running into him all over a football field, both in Canada and in uh, America, in the NFL. Uh, John Shar was born in Los Angeles. Uh, he went to uh, Bishop Amon High in uh, La Puente, uh, was a CIF Southern Section Player of the Year, played baseball also. And he was re recruited uh, by major colleges and also drafted in the third round by the Cleveland Indians of all teams, and uh, ultimately chose to attend UCLA Graduated cum laude in 1976 as one of four outstanding seniors to be honored for overall excellence and achievement. Uh, he was a quarterback at UCLA, 
uh, and, and there are a lot of great memories for people like me who attended at the same time. Uh, after graduating UCLA, he was a third pick of the Chicago Bears in the NFL, but he signed a two-year contract instead with the BC Lions of the Canadian Football League. After a couple years there, uh, he was signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then uh, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles got him in a trade. And he played for his former college coach, Dick Vermeil, while with the Eagles. Uh, played professional football until 1983, I believe. And then, uh, uh, but even while he was playing football, he was developing a, a career in life insurance, qualified pension plans that has made him one of the premier uh, uh, professionals in that field to this very day. Uh, John Shara, welcome to After the Glory. Thank you very much, Gary. It's a pleasure to be here with you and Lucy, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next hour here. <laughs> there you go. I don't know if we'll go an hour, but I, I <laughs> it'll go by real fast. Listen, uh, you know, an elite athlete, we define as somebody who plays sport and gets to a level that only a small percentage of those who ever try that sport, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, softball, uh, uh, track and field, uh, only a small percentage ever get to that elite level. And it takes something other than just physical prowess. And so we like to kind of find out your perspective. How did you get involved in sports generally? And when did you realize that, boy, there, this was something you could do for a long time? Well, I, obviously, it, it started for me at a very young age, and uh, I, I was very lucky to have been born to the parents I had, um, uh, wonderful people. You know, I came from um, a middle class, uh, maybe even lower middle class. My dad was a, uh, started off as a truck driver for a small chain grocery market and, uh, and uh, was a great provider, uh, an athlete uh, in his own right. Um, you know, won the city of Los Angeles, he ran the half mile and um, in uh, and he was uh, in high school. He had one of the fastest half mile times in the country. Um, Mel Whitfield. Um, actually, he beat Mel Whitfield like uh, like six times. And Mel Whitfield, as you well know, is the won the gold medal. Uh, I think in back the back Olympics or three Olympics or whatever. Wow. And um, but Mel was a year younger than my dad. But my dad was a runner and he also played baseball. He was an athlete. So when I was younger. You know, I had a bat in my hand and, uh, you know, he's rolling the ball to me and it was just kind of in the blood, I guess. My mom uh, also came from, you know, a family where athletics was a big thing. And so I was introduced to athletics at uh, a very, very young age and I loved it. I just loved the, the, the fact that uh, there was a ball and a bat and or a football or a basketball, whatever it was. Um, I was blessed. I actually was pretty quick and pretty fast and um so uh that's just something that you're kind of born with um and uh, developed that and loved to compete and uh and uh and so it started at a young age for me and uh just continued to grow um with it well was there were a specific moment or play or a set of teammates that you that you experienced that really showed you that you wanted to do this essentially for a living at some point. Well, you know, I, as, as you grow up and you're, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old and you're playing in all the city leagues and all the, the community things, um, it, 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 you, it, you tend to see certain um, young
youngsters, you know, start to excel. And, um, and then it's, you know, Hey, I, I, I want to be there. I, I think I could do that. I, I may be able to do that as well, if not better than you. And, uh, that excitement of competition, um, you know, is, is kind of in your, in your blood and, and you continue to develop. Uh, I think, uh, I think the biggest moment as going through high school, um, and competing at that level, um, I, um, uh, I, I, I was at a high school that closed. It was Mission High School in the uh, San Gabriel Valley, and the archdiocese couldn't afford to keep the boys' division open. So uh, it closed it, and then we had the ability to transfer, um, and um, and I transferred to Bishop Almond High School my junior year. And coincidentally, uh, they were in the CIF uh, 4A division uh, championship game against Blair, uh, James McAllister and Kermit Johnson, and Eugene Jones, uh, all uh, former Bruins, and uh, but all playing for Blair High School. Uh, they had a guy by the name of Forey Martin that played middle linebacker at uh, at uh, Stanford later. Uh, so they had a great team. Charles Phillips was on that team who went to USC. Wow! And I remember watching them play Bishop Almott. That was Pat Hayden at the time with John McKay in the Coliseum. Uh, and lo and behold, as I transferred to Almott the next year, we were playing for title game at the Coliseum. So I think that, you know, meeting Pat and John, it kind of, for me at that level, they were outstanding high school um, uh, players and, and wonderful young men and, and obviously did extremely well in school as well. Well, John, we're going to uh, take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about three subjects that clearly are relevant by the time you get ready to go to college, baseball, football, and academics when we come back on After the Glory. Hello, this is Dean, third-generation owner of Sarah Leonard Fine Jewelers. We are located near UCLA in the heart of Westwood Village, where we have been since 1946. For 74 years, my family has stood for the highest standards of knowledge and integrity and are proud members of the prestigious American Gem Society. But it is our personal touch that truly makes us a cut above. Client relationships last for decades and generations. With six UCLA alumni, the family has supported UCLA for decades, including the famous Sarah Leonard Jewelers Watch Giveaway. For diamonds and colored gems, designer collections and estate jewelry, watches, custom design, and gorgeous gifts starting under $100, it's all here at Sarah Leonard Fine Jewelers. Mention the code GLORY and get 20% off your first purchase, plus a 10% UCLA discount on all future purchases. Call 310-208-3131 today for your appointment or visit us at sarahleonardjewelers.com. Free parking available. Again, call 310-208-3131. Use the code GLORY and experience the Sarah Leonard difference for yourself. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern with my host, uh, co-host and partner, Lucy Seng, and our very special guest, Mr. John Shara from UCLA football in the 1970s, then Canadian Football League, Philadelphia Eagles, and on to great uh, great work in the financial services industry. Uh, John, we were talking about uh, that transition to college, and you were one of those rare athletes who was not just a baseball player and a football player. You were elite in both and had some choices to make. And I noted at the, uh, at the break that you were also a superb student um, juggling academics and athletics had to be challenging, but obviously you were motivated to do so. Talk a little about that. Well, you know, um, as I talked about earlier about my parents, and, uh, you know, one of the things that was really important um, 
for me was to do well in school. I mean, because they were very uh, adamant about that. Um, and, uh, you know, they were v both very strict, my dad mostly. And the only way you could get out of work um, was, you know, if you had a, if you had an exam the next day, if you had a, had, had a test to study for that, that was the, that was your, that was your free pass card. And, and so it was, there was a real strong focus on academics. And, um, and I, I, I took to that and, uh, there's a lot of talk about leadership and, um, the lack thereof. Um, and, um, especially in today's times, but, um, I, I think that, you know, you have to be, you know, you have to be a well-rounded person to, to really, uh, develop, you know, leadership ability and, and quality. Um, and most people want to listen to somebody who's actually done something and um, has done it well, whether it be academically or athletically. Um, you know, it's important that if, if, if you are going to lead and leadership to me was, I felt comfortable in that kind of thing and managing and, and, uh, and, but if you don't, if you're not developing your mind and you're not staying and paying attention to current events and what's going on and um, able to communicate with a wide variety of people, uh, then you're, you're probably not going to be successful in anything. Uh, I, I mean, at a high level, uh, mm -hmm. you could be successful and get along and all that. But if you really want to make the most and you've got a passion within you to do that, then you should do it. Uh, but, you know, you, you can't fool yourself into something. You, you're going to have to be well-rounded. And you're going to have to be well versed, and Absolutely. Uh, and if you're not, then then it's just not going to work. <laughs> John, so you made that non-traditional decision to pass up, you know, big offers that most high school students these days would be looking forward to to go to college. And knowing that you made that decision not just to be an elite athlete, but also to be, you know, a top-notch student. Can you tell us, to your, to the best of your ability, what it was like to be a student athlete back in those days? Yeah, well, you brought up something interesting. I mean, I, I was drafted out of high school by the Cleveland Indians. And so, um, you know, I had the opportunity to sign uh, a baseball contract, um, which at the time was, I think, a $40,000 signing bonus. <laughs> they, they told me that it was the highest paid, you know, for the third round. And uh, that was the highest, you know, and uh, money being offered to a third round player. And um, and I remember having dinner with uh, uh, Maletti, Mr. Maletti. I can't remember his first name. He was the owner of the Cleveland uh, Indians at the time. And, you know, he was Italian and I'm Italian. And he, he looked at me when I he said, well, what's going to take to sign you? And I said, it's going to it's going to take one hundred thousand dollars, you know, after tax. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, John, there's not that much money in all Italy. And so. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny at, at that time back in 1972, um, but uh, I, I figured that I, I didn't want to ride buses. I, I probably wasn't good enough at the time to go right to the majors. Most players aren't. There's going to be two or three years of uh, or, or longer in the minors, and I just didn't. I, I wasn't ready to ride buses. Uh, I wanted to continue to advance my education. Um, UCLA being the school that it is, uh, the opportunities were immense. And so for me, it was, it was easy um, to, to, to go to make that decision. Um, unless it would have had to been something extraordinary and that wasn't on the table. So um, I, 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 it was, I just felt real comfortable at UCLA during the recruiting process. And, um, and uh, Terry Donahue, um, God rest his soul, 
recruited me. He was a second year assistant coach at the time. And, um, and I, I, he was a wonderful, wonderful man. And um, uh, I met a lot of wonderful people during the recruiting process, but Terry um, was exceptional. And, uh, and UCLA, the campus itself, you know, it just is, is, is also extraordinary. So um, it was a pretty easy decision for me. John, I'm, I'm curious about something. Uh, you, you had a, uh, obviously a stellar career as UCLA's quarterback for those years, uh, 72 to 76. Um, and quarterback is the position that people associate with leadership, which ironically, I think is somewhat uh, unfair because we, you know, we just, we're taping this just a few days after the Rams won the Super Bowl, And we know that perhaps the inspirational people on that team, Whitworth on the offensive line, Aaron Donald on the defensive line, anything but quarterbacks, and yet obviously leaders. Talk about leadership for you and how that manifested on the football field and off the field during your time in college. Leadership is is extremely important when you're at the quarterback position because you have 10 other guys in the huddle and you're calling the play. If your voice is rattling and you're you have this and you're not sure you're not confident when you speak, uh, it gets other people kind of raising the brow and kind of wondering, hey, is this really going to be worth it? You know, uh, is this the person that really should be leading us? Um, and you know, not everybody. It's okay not to be a leader. You know, that's the funny thing about it. Everybody thinks you have to. Be, you don't have to be a leader. You can have leadership qualities and not want to be the leader, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but uh, the quarterback, make no bones about it. Uh, you could talk about all the other great players in a huddle, and there are great players in the huddle that also are leaders. But the quarterback, when they step into the huddle, that, that, that's the only position that's talking. Nobody else talks. And, uh, and, and so the people listening want to have confidence that the person that they're kind of you know, listening to really knows what they're doing. And it's extremely important for confidence and uh, leadership uh, at that position is, is critical. When we come back on After the Glory, we will talk about the next step in the journey of John Shara. Again, not just sort of the typical transition, and it says something about the individual as far as what he did when his college days were over. When we come back on After the Glory. Hey, this is Lucy Sang from Resiliency Coaching. I am a certified mental performance coach focused on working with athletes transitioning into life after the glory days of sports. I help like-minded people become high performers and thrive in all areas of life. My goal is to serve as your accountability partner and offer different perspectives as you make tough decisions. Learn more about me on Instagram at resiliency underscore coaching R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-S-E-E underscore coaching. And thanks for tuning in to After the Glory. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Lucy Sang with Gary Stern and our special guest, John Shara. John, let's just jump right into it. You are closing out the end of your days as a Bruin and you're presented with another set of decisions to make. Tell us about what was presented to you, how you made those decisions, and especially those non-traditional ones, especially when people think about what an athlete what might pursue after the days of glory. Well, um, I, I was very excited when I got drafted by the uh, Chicago Bears um, and in the third round. 
Um, and uh, so I was looking forward to playing professional football, but you got to remember back then, the money wasn't quite what it is today. I mean, <laughs> just like everything changes and it grows and uh, the NFL has grown beyond belief uh, with re re relative to revenue. Um, so I was looking forward to that, but at the time, I just, I, I didn't want an owner of a team telling me when I earned my last dollar. I knew that I had to have another option. After I decided and made my decision, um, the Canadian Football League was really after me and they made me an offer that I couldn't refuse. And so um, I had opted, instead of going with the Chicago Bears, I signed with the Canadian Football League and um, ended up going up there as a quarterback. And then I bruised my older nerve and I moved to kind of a slot back position mm -hmm. in punt returner and ended up making rookie of the year up there. And then got hurt my second year up there. And then uh, coach Vermeil got my rights with the Philadelphia Eagles and wanted me to join them, which I did for the next six years. So I had two years up in Canada and six years with the Eagles. But once again, you know, it's a very violent game and you don't know when you're playing your last play. So I wanted something to kind of fall back on. So what I did, um, I had met with a, for, a colleague that uh, was also playing professional football at the time. And um, he had said, why don't you get in, you know, get your insurance license and you can sell insurance in the off season. It's a very flexible thing and uh, you can learn about business. And that's kind of what I did. I got my life insurance license and then we did business insurance sales with the life insurance. And then we got into qualified pension plans and we started learning about administration and got out of the life insurance business. And I was doing that as I was playing football. So um, it was a little bit stressful, but at the end of the day, it's what you know. I, I knew I had to do. And then I got married pretty early too in 77. So um, I had responsibilities and, uh, and so it was important for me to make sure that I had all the uh, you know, all the bases covered, if you will. And, and if injury was to occur, I had something to fall back on. Um, okay. And, um, and that's kind of the story of, of my whole profession got into business and, and, um, and, and rode that wave as well. Well, you know, John, I, there you alluded to something almost in passing, but I didn't, I didn't miss it. When you were talking to that owner of the Cleveland Indians, you were talking about money and you use the phrase to him, I want 100,000 after tax. And I wonder how many athletes would have remembered to add the phrase after tax. And it says something about what you retained in your education uh, and going forward. I know you know that there are a lot of athletes, Lucy works with them all the time, who are so invested in their sport and they haven't done any planning at all. Uh, the, the phrase I've heard a lot of athletes use is, um, uh, the sport is what I do. It's not who I am. Is that something that really rang true with you from a very young age, that the sport is what you do, not who you are? You know, I don't know if that really applies to me. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I, I shouldn't say applies to me. It's not the way I look at it. Uh, I think it's, it's, you are who you are. And if you were a former athlete or, you know, it, it's who you are. And um, it's an interesting question, Gary. And, 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 I look at I, all the great things about sport that you've heard a hundred times before, the discipline, um, the fact that you, 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 you never give up, um, all that stuff that you hear time and time again that almost sounds cl cliche-ish, 
um, uh, is is true. That's why it's a cliche. I mean, it, it is, it's going to take hard work. Um, it's going to take you know uh, perseverance, um, and you have to have that right attitude of never giving up. But you know what happens in that process is you become a little less sensitive. The one thing I've had to temper as I've gotten into uh, life outside of football, and even when I was you know in business, it was a little bit hard. I've I, I tend to be on the negative side. Not, not I'm a very positive person, but if somebody would say, what, "What's a fault of yours?" I, I would say that um, you know that I'm not maybe as sensitive as I should be. And I, and I think this comes at at the highest level of sport. And I think if you talk to a lot of athletes, um, the great thing about sport is the fact that um, it, it is discipline. It is preparation. It is never giving up it is having that attitude it's tough it's exactly right lucy it's tough it's not perfect it's you know and the great thing about sport continuing along that path and i'll get back to the bad thing about it is that it's inclusion you know everybody in that locker room it's a team they don't care what your race color creator or any of that stuff they just want to know one thing can you play Mm -hmm. and either you play or you don't play it doesn't make a difference (laughs) And in that process, you become a little bit like, hey, get out of, you know, this is, you, you start to focus. And it, it, you've got to be tough, as Lucy was saying. And being tough sometimes, that competition, that fight, that thing, what it takes. And I think most athletes, professional athletes, would agree with the fact that this is not, this is, you've got to be all in. And being all in sometimes removes a little bit of that sensitivity when you're outside of sport and into the social the world of in in, in in society. And I think that's the one thing that um, to this day I've done things in the professional in my business world that I, I think was probably a little insensitive and probably not right. Uh, was it rude? No, it wasn't that. But I think I could be a little bit more sensitive. But I think professional sport kind of it just it is what it is the the, the patience level and and because you're it's ingrained in you you just you just build it. thick skin that's, that's it, it that's it that's exactly <laughs> what it, that's exactly right all right we're going to take our final break and when we come back we're going to talk about truly the the questions that come up when we think about um, a life of meaning and purpose on After the Glory with Gary Stern, Lucy Sang, and our special guest, John Shara. Role models, they can make all the difference. In our world today, they have never been more important. One of the nation's most successful mentoring organizations is Jewish Big Brothers Big Sisters of Los Angeles. Their mission is to assist youth in achieving their full potential through innovative and impactful programs. And no nonprofit agency does it better. Jewish Big Brothers Big Sisters of LA serves Jewish children, boys and girls in our local community with a mentoring program that's been going strong since 1915. That's only the beginning. This nationally known agency owns and operates Camp Bob Waldorf. Its summer camping and weekend retreat programs enrich the lives of youth throughout greater Los Angeles. Then there's a college support program And last but not least, work that helps kids all over the world through the Teen Talk app. Want to learn more? Go to jbbbsla.org. Donate. Get involved. There's no better way to make a difference. This is Daryl Wayne, here to talk to you about the co-creator and co-host of After the Glory, Woodland Hills lawyer Gary Stern. 
When Gary's not talking to elite athletes, you can usually find him doing what he's been doing for almost 45 years, navigating the world of government. As a college student and young professional, Gary helped folks deal with federal and state agencies through his work as a caseworker with a local congressman and state senator. That work prepared Gary for a career as a consumer lawyer. Today, Gary still helps people in all walks of life, but his passion nowadays is his service as a mediator, mostly in cases like the ones he's been handling for over four decades, where people have been injured in accidents or in connection with their employment. You can learn more about Stern Law, the law offices of Gary N. Stern at his website, www.sternlaw.org. That's S-T-E-R-N. Or you can call him at 818-710-2717. That's 818-710-2717. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern with Lucy Sang, our special guest, uh, former Bruin quarterback, NFL quarterback, John Shara. John, the, uh, the... The career in football is necessarily short, with the exception of the Tom Brady's of the world. Um, what insight can you provide us on? You indicated somebody got you involved, but you had to want to, in the middle of of all that intensity that is football, get involved with Mass Mutual and, and the world of the financial services industry. Uh, it obviously was something that you stuck to and made one of you know became one of the premier people in the field how does that come about while you're playing a sport uh, as as intense as football well you know um once again it's that whole competitive thing uh and wanting to be the you know take it to the next level be, be all you can be so to speak and um and so i when i was doing that uh, in the off season uh and sometimes even during the season i was able to, to keep the balls in the air by doing some business as well. Um, uh, it, it just, it was something that I wanted to excel in. I, this was my next profession. Uh, I was going to have to transition at some point in time because uh, the body just can't take it. And the fact that, you know, uh, although we made good money as, as, as it compared to others at the time that were earning a, an income in their profession, um, it, it just doesn't last forever. I mean, it's going to go away. And so you've got a segue. And so um, I just felt that as I transitioned out, you know, it was a new uh, opportunity for me to excel and, and do the best I could do. And, and, you know, hey, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way, um, but you just keep on uh, working at it and pushing on and uh, good things will happen. Uh, I, I just never... I, you know, I just, I, I'm not a giver upper. I just don't do that. I just, you know, I'm going to take it to the end. Sometimes that uh, I probably should have let it go. Um, but I, I just, I'm just going to continue to keep, keep going. And, uh, and I think the team thing, I, if I were going to make, if I were going to say something to any parent or um, any young woman or man, I would say, you know, give, give team sport a shot find a sport or something that involves other people give that a shot to where at an early age to where you can kind of you know be part of a team or whatever that may be um and you know it, because lifting the people and getting other people's input is important because we're different we're all different and the funny thing today is for some reason everybody thinks that we should be just one way and we're not I mean, we have different, we have different cultures, we have um, different genetics, 
you know, we have different, you know, experiences. We have our, our upbringings totally different. We're going to be different. And I think in you get into the business world um, it, where it's not like a professional sport world where it's like, hey, you know, I, I, you know, I, I get, you know, Coach Wooden always used to say, do the best you can do and winning will take care of itself. It, 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 and he's a hundred percent right about that, and that's the, that, that's the polite way of of saying, you know, we need to win, you know, <laughs> uh, because at the end of the day, especially at the professional level, and I say professional level because that's the elite group of athletes, and it's as a team you got to win, and if somebody's not carrying their weight, the others know that, okay, mm-hmm. and so uh, when you get you transition that into the real world. The, the the part of that insensitivity that I was talking about is what you really got to manage yourself as you lead, but you still have to be a team. And um, if you if you have a, bent, a, a an entity that has more than two people, you need to you need to create that team environment. So um, because we don't, we're different, and we have to be able to interact and voice our opinions and and work that out. John, let me ask you, as a former professional athlete, you know, the sport never leaves you. So what is what does your day to day look like nowadays? Kind of how how do you incorporate football or sport or baseball? And I know you mentioned when we were offline that you have a growing family. Sounds like you're starting a Shara football team of your own, huh? Well, Lucy, I, I am, I like, I, I, you know, I, I don't like to use the word lucky, but, you know, the people you're born to, you, you, that's kind of luck. I mean, where you're born and who you're born to, that you have no control over that. But um, I'm very blessed that we have a beautiful family. And um, uh, so a lot of my time now is with my family. And um, uh, I've since sold my business in uh, 2016. And um, I don't like to use the the R word. <laughs> You're rewired, <laughs> not the other yeah, there one. There you go. I'm rewired. There you go. Yes. I'm, I'm retired. I'm rewired. Yes. Um, um, but I, I, so I, I, we're spending, you know, we spend a lot, my wife and I spend a lot of time with the grandkids, which we're totally excited about. I still do some consulting and, and, uh, you know, uh, financial, um, uh, investing and that type of thing. But, but, uh, but a lot of the focus these days, uh, and two weeks from today, I'm going to be 68. And so, there you go. Yeah. It's so I, I, uh, I, I think, you know, the focus is all about the family for, for me. John, we've, we've got a couple minutes left and I, and there's two areas I would like to really touch on very, very briefly. Leaving the sport where you're playing before cheering crowds and the adrenaline that goes with that. Did you find that transition to no longer having that, adrenaline rush of the fans and the and the excitement something that was hard to leave or easy as a former professional football player leaving the game itself i mean the the physicalness of the game the conditioning and all that is is why you retire right what you do miss is the camaraderie in the locker room um you know walking into the stadium and looking up and seeing you know the thousands of people cheering um it, it, yeah you're going to miss that you just you're going to miss the camaraderie in the locker room and you're going to miss the fans those are two things you miss uh all the preparation the conditioning the banging of heads <laughs> you don't miss you don't yeah. miss that. at least i didn't and, miss that part and and in in the one minute we have left just a, a quick response to this I, I think it's a question i hear a lot 
um, among athletes especially. A, a life well lived at 68, rewired for another 20, 30 years, God willing. What would you say to that young John Shara as he begins his UCLA career, if you could talk to him today? Wow. I wish you would have given me that question two weeks ago, and I could have had a really good answer. Um, I, I don't think I would change much. You know, I, I, I would just, you know, say, you know, just never give up. Be persistent and, you know, follow your heart. And, um, you know, we all have a, a conscience, you know, and you kind of know what's right and wrong and stay on the right path and work hard because there's no easy way. Um, and uh, it, it, we don't live in a perfect world, so get over it. Just do the best you can every day and keep moving and don't don't look back, you know? Learn from your mistakes, but don't look back and don't dwell on the past. Just keep moving forward. I've got me a new That's, favorite quote. We don't live in a perfect world, so get over it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Lucy, I, Lucy, I hope you enjoyed uh, as much sure as did. I did talking to my classmate, uh, John Shara. Um, John, it was a thrill having you kick off our season five of Elite UCLA Athletes. Uh, thanks for being with us. My my pleasure. Lucy and Gary, thank you so much. Go Bruins. Go Bruins. <laughs> Go Bruins. Lucy and I hope you enjoyed this edition of After the Glory. As we leave you until next time, we want to thank our team. Our producer, Mark Allen. Executive producer from Podclips, Mike Anderson. And our sound engineer and editor, the insane Daryl Wayne. We are also grateful for music by T. Dan Hofstede. And as we close out this episode of After the Glory, we honor our guest with our theme song, written and sung by my brother in baseball, T. Dan, the master of music from the islands and the slack key guitar. Until next time, stay safe, healthy, and athletic. Living the dream on a shooting star. Hometown crowd cheering what you are. Living large and riding high. Razzling and dazzling across the sky. Back in the day, so young and strong. Work or play, you can do no wrong. But when that ride is through. Yeah.